you know, the, as, as, as I've said many times, you know, I, I was on a big, long bike ride in, in um, November of 1990, now 30 years ago, and tried to eat. It was a 175-mile bike ride and with my friend Jay, and I, we brought along six power bars, and um, that was an endurance event in itself, <laughs> trying to finish six power bars. And by the end of five, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And, and it, was, it was a three-second statement to my friend, I can make a better energy bar. For the athlete and the coach, from the dabbler to the committed, for the curious to the confused, we got answers and insights to fuel wellness and performance from the experts, innovators, and biohackers we feature on the feed. It's all that thinking outside the box to get the best nutrition in it. Of all the nutrition companies we feature, there may be no bigger nor better known American success story than that of Cliff Bar and its irrepressible founder and owner, Gary Erickson. Part baker, part jock, part dreamer. Over the last three decades, he has mixed his passions from bike racing to mountain guiding to skiing to wanderlusting and baking to come up with a recipe that still has people basically eating out of his hands. Today, the company claims one-third of the nutrition bar category, and it remains privately held. He almost sold to Quaker Oats 20 years ago, but on the very day of the sale, much like the day that he came up with the idea of Cliff Bar, he had an epiphany, and he declined the offer. It was a risk, a $72 million risk, but he went with his gut. Those decisions now put him in that .0001 percentile of American success stories. But on this particular day, he looks like anyone else at his company's headquarters in Emeryville, California. Jeans, casual shirt, fit as hell, and greeting everyone by name. We talk a bit about the company journey and how it is that Cliff appeals to the masses these days while continuing to maintain its hardcore following, why taste can sometimes trump optimal fueling, and what's next on the menu. But first, we talk about his relationship with risk and why now, in his 60s, having clearly made it, it's an itch he still needs to scratch. He just returned from a canceled weekend of ski racing, a sport that spares few from injury, particularly if you pick it up at age 54. All right. I want to know right. what you were doing last weekend. Last weekend? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I trained uh, right before the weekend. I trained for a GS race at Heavenly uh, with Josh, who I told you about. Mm -hmm. um, I was on these new... 185 27 radius skis which i was skiing on that ski right there is not a it's a 23 mm -hmm. but um i get to the race on saturday morning we're all sitting there ready to go and the winds were like 80 miles an hour and the snow blew off the start it was all rock so race canceled for the weekend so to to rewind a little bit mm -hmm. for the people that are listening and hear the word or the term GS. Mm -hmm. We're talking about giant slalom. giant slalom. And then to back it up a little bit more, we're talking about alpine racing. We're talking about, we're talking about a sport that I know quite well. Mm -hmm. it's, it's very dangerous. And, and I don't say that in, in sort of a gratuitous way. I work in the sport mm -hmm. every week 
I'm con- mm-hmm. half of my job is updating who has been injured mm-hmm. this last week, talking about the best skiers in the world. You pick up the sport mm-hmm. at age... 54 was probably my first race, yeah. And I'm trying to think of a, of a master's sport that would be more dangerous than alpine <laughs> skiing. And I, I, I'll, I'll leave it yeah. to you to think if there is one. Yeah, I, I can't think of any. I, and the, and it's, the, it's not just the... You're not talking about running into a brick wall, but you're talking about all the possible injuries, mm. right? A back injury, a knee injury, a you know, quad injury, all that. And I've had some of those already. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, you could do a report every week on all the Masters guys that have gotten hurt right. on the weekend. <laughs> right. And, and so this kind of, I'm going to go full circle on you, mm-hmm. but your relationship with risk, mm-hmm. with fear, mm-hmm. uh, you're now, I think, you're getting towards 30 years mm-hmm. to where Cliff has been on this yeah. planet. You've yeah. gotten to a place in your life where you probably, you could just settle down. You could, mm-hmm. I know you like golf. That'd yeah. be a good idea for someone that, you know, could yeah. sort of rest on their loyals. Yeah. Why is that you, what is your relationship with kind of keeping with, in touch with fear or risk? And I don't know if I'm overselling it here. Yeah, you could, you could say going back to the beginning of, of Cliff Bar, this company was built on taking risk. Um, yeah, I always push even the sports when I was growing up, baseball and soccer and um, I mean, tennis isn't risky. But, you know, I, yeah, I pushed a little bit and I, I got injured. But it wasn't until I started climbing to, with was the, that was when I first had a different a new relationship with risk. Because mm-hmm. now the risk was serious bodily injury. Um, I was not one that ever climbed without a rope. There were times when you kind of need to approaching a climb or descending a climb or something like that but typically i was always roped up but there are times when you're you could take a winger we call it or um a big lead fall and fall 20 30 40 50 80 feet i've been in that situation um but that's when i've learned most about staying calm and staying focused now eventually i want to of course get into you know, Cliff and the mm-hmm. products and how they particularly serve the sports mm-hmm. nutrition world. But I want you to take me back to the beginning, <laughs> right? And this, uh, how this thing started and how your appetite for taking on something new without it, I guess you wouldn't be looking at this company anymore the way it is. Yeah. We wouldn't know Cliff. Yeah. You know, as you know, I've told the story in many different ways, but given that this is the feed and, and, you're involved in ski racing and cycling. Um, we'll focus on cycling a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, right before I started, wrote, I realized in 1985 when I, after years of climbing, I wanted to do something like, I worked for a bike company, so I thought I'll be a bike racer. But then I kind of got intrigued with triathlons, and I realized that I would probably die doing triathlons because I, I can't swim very well. It was just, and I ended up doing Ironmans after that, but it, always the swim was the part that I didn't even know if my wife was nervous every time. Like, is he ever going to come out of the water? So I went right to bike racing because I just love the bike. And, and bike racing, as you know, and you, and you know from being there on that motorcycle, the risk is unbelievable. Like, 
people are falling. It's got to be as dangerous as and I didn't ski know. racing. And you know? I didn't know. I, I just thought they lived on the other side of the gym. I thought I, <laughs> I, thought I was the risk taker. Oh, my God. And then I got involved, and I have a whole new appreciation. But anyway, yes, I did yeah. get it. I mean, I, and I'm, I'm finally reading Slaying the Badger, the Le Mans, you know, story. And, and I, I still think of like, yeah, he was so talented, but he still had to do those downhills mm-hmm. in those major passes in the Alps. And anything can go wrong. One slip. And you've, we've, how many times have we seen it? So I started bike racing. <laughs> and I was fortunate never to have a really bad accident. But some of my friends did. And I, I watched it. But there was something about the sport that um, overpowered me. And, and I just wanted to feel that essence of being in a bike race. And part of it is accepting risk. You know, and you're in a criterium and you're going 30 miles an hour around a turn and somebody is literally you're bumping elbows going around a turn and then waiting for the final sprint and then you're really bumping elbows i know what that feels like and and i told you earlier i'm not i wasn't the best bike racer or climber or anything but i was fortunate to feel the essence of these sports like i know what it feels like to go around that corner and be bumping and and just pushing beyond your anaerobic threshold for for like an hour straight um and I think that's what led me, you know, not, not to be uh, jump right to it, but it was because I was able to experience all those things that, that led me to the fuel part of sport. Um, because all these sports we do, whether it was climbing, you know, climbing big mountains or uh, faces it in Yosemite, you've got to stay fueled and you've got to keep the gas tank, you know, above you know, halfway in order to finish these, these activities or these, these sports. And, um, you know, the, as, as, as I've said many times, you know, I, I was on a big long bike ride in, in, um, November of 1990, now 30 years ago and tried to eat, it was a 175 mile bike ride and with my friend Jay and I, we brought along six power bars and, um, that was an endurance event in itself, trying to finish six power bars. And by the end of five, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And and it was it was a three second statement to my friend, I can make a better energy bar, however long that takes to say. And here we are, 30 years later. And Cliff Bar was born after that. And I'm just, it's been a crazy, wild, risky ride right. ever since. And even now, given that we're still family and employed, we're now family and now employee owned. The risk isn't any less. I would say it's even higher because now we've got all the big multinational food companies in the game. And this time they really know what they're doing and they're coming after us. And so, yeah, it would it'd be a lot easier just to wave goodbye and go golfing and even ski racing. Right. But not have this burden, this risk that we've got here at Cliff Bar with 1,300 employees now, two bakeries. A commitment to organic and the community, and and the risk has never been higher. But yet, you're sitting here looking awfully comfortable. I, I feel I fear there's a, <laughs> I fear there's an addiction for you. Um, but let's go back to I mean, there's a crescendo moment in the company, yeah, right where it was you were on the selling block, mm-hmm. and to put a fine point on it, mm-hmm. you had. The option to sell your half of the company for sixty million. Ultimately, you decide 
to take on what is ostensibly a $72 million debt that you pay over a great deal of time. That's a huge swing. And so kind of talk us through that period in Cliff's life. <laughs> yeah, I look back now, I get, I get more scared now than I did back then when I did it. <laughs> I think I feel that way a lot about sports, like you know, whether it was climbing half dome in Yosemite or something like that. I, <clears throat> I think back and go, God, did I do that? You know? And at that time, I was so focused and so free. Um, uh, the, the decision not to sell at the time felt so freeing and so much like there was no doubt. I had no doubt um, that um, I just focused on the game. And the risk felt big, but, you know, I also look at calculated risk and what's the worst case. Okay, ski racing. Um, I hope the worst case is you slide, maybe you run into the B net or something like mm -hmm. that. And yes, people have gotten really banged up. Right. Um, and with rock climbing, you know, you just hope you put in the protection well, and when you fall, the rope holds you. Calculated risk. And in this case, calculated risk was, um, you know, if we don't make it, <laughs> I can go find a job. <laughs> But yes, and you're saying, yeah, but you could have had $60 million and not had to worry about the that's job That is part. exactly what I'm right. saying. Um, but that's why, not why I got into the business. And yeah, I, I wish my partner at the time would have said, okay, I'm ready. I'm, I'll be on your train. Let's just, let's just roll this thing. Um, because people were buying Cliff Bars. At the time. We didn't have a problem selling Cliff Bars. But, um, you know, yes, the two largest food companies in the world were now owned owned our competition, Power Bar and Balance Bar. Um, and without that debt to buy my ex-partner, that would have lowered the risk tremendously. Um, so I'm trying to figure out now, why, I, why did I do that? <laughs> um, our, our people were scared. They really felt like, and I know you, you read this, um, they felt like we really needed some infusion of cash not only even without the competition, just to grow the business at this point, because we had reached 40 million, most companies are looking for capital to take them to the next level. And that was never in my mind is to find capital. On top of that, now we have a, basically a $72 million debt. Um, and it took, um, you know, like I, I think our people were probably feeling like this is just too much of risk. But if I but I stood in front of them every week at a company meeting. And I said, "We got this. We got this." I mean, look at look at what's you know look at the playoffs in football right now. I, I can tell you know those coaches are like, "We got this. We got this," and so I just kept telling everybody every week, "We got this. We're selling more Cliff Bars, right? We got this. Don't worry about the debt. I don't want I don't want you to worry about the debt. That's my problem. You you focus on. We've got the best product in the market. We're going to sell the you know what out of this thing." Mm -hmm. And eventually, we won't have that burden. And then, on top of that, two years later, we decided to go organic, which cost us millions of dollars. So we add, we had, you could call it insult to injury, but we added even more um, cost to running our business. But that paid off. And, and those choices, I look at Cliff, and it started out it, it very much... This was for athletes trying to stay fueled, trying to stay at the top of their mm -hmm. game. Mm -hmm. It is now a product that is is consumed 
by the ge- by the general consumer. Yeah. However, you've managed to stay at the pointy end of sports nutrition, and I'm wondering mm-hmm. how you did that. More than ever, we've done that. I think we've got some of the greatest athletes in the world right now on our side, and there's a lot of great athletes out there, as you mm-hmm. know. Um, but these are people that believe in us and believe in our values and believe in our product and, and know the product works for them. And I think, um, I think, I, I think I'm part of that because I've done all those sports. And like I said, I know what the essence of this, I can talk the language. I can, I can, it's not just like, you know, like some owners of companies that just hire the best basketball player or whatever, and they don't even know anything about the right. sport. I know enough about those sharp sports that you're talking mm-hmm. about, whether it's skiing, climbing, and, and, and all those, that um, I, I, I know the essence of the sport. And, and so I hope that really brings a, a legitimacy to it, which I think it does. And, and then at the same time, I've experienced um, using our product in most of those sports. <laughs> you know, tell me about, tell me about the, uh, right, you go, out, you go out and do the bonk test. I do the bonk test. Um, so, you know, and it, like you said earlier, there's, there's bonking and cracking. And cracking is when, you know, you're not hungry or not, you just go too hard for too long and all of a sudden your body just shuts down and crack. But bonking is, is related to nutrition. And so um, I can remember my, probably my top 10 bonks in the Alps <laughs> and riding in the Alps but that was even before Cliff Bar. Like that was in the 80s and I was bonking and having to pull off to the side of the road and hoping somebody would bring me food. Um, but after that, once, once Cliff Bar was born, um, sometimes purposefully, probably 50% of the time, but I just had this habit of like going too, too hard for too long and then not eating well. And sometimes I, I played with it and like, okay, I'm gonna go out, I'm not gonna eat for the first like two hours. And then just see if I can get to a bonk. And then I decide which one of our products I'm going to pull out and see what works. So uh, one time, now this was not intentional, but I'm on Mount Shasta, about 1,000 feet from the top. And I was not feeling good. And I knew about another 30 minutes, I realized I'm, bon- I'm bonked. I can't. I have to sit down. I can't even move. So I took two shots out. I was ready to ski. I was bring brought my skis I was going to ski down from there like I'm done I'm not going to make it to the top took two shots out waited 10 minutes and all of a sudden I'm back like oh cool I'm back it worked so I think the fact that I can feel it as the founder and owner along with my wife what it feels like for our product to work but I also can talk to our athletes and they can tell me how it works and when they use it and why they use it and maybe giving us ideas on flavors or you know have you thought about this or that and so we, we do work with our athletes, and we, we survey them. We talk to them about helping us develop product. And so when you look, you know, you showed me the, the box mm-hmm. of products. Yep. As you've gone out and, and personally tested these and also spoken with athletes, of course, that are using it, mm-hmm. what's changed? Like if we use just the cliff bar, mm-hmm. what changed as a result of, oh, you know, this didn't work for me? Because we're now getting into this period of time mm-hmm. particularly if we're talking about cycling right yeah. everyone is getting at the yeah really into those those nuances of maximum performance yeah. with no regard to how it tastes or right. whether i can handle doing this week in week out yeah but for you again it's you're not just about taste you're also right. about performance Efficacy so what's changed yeah what's what has changed in some of your recipes that didn't work at first 
Um, not a lot in the nutritional side, although Cliff Bar, when, it, when we first um, launched Cliff Bar in 1992, uh, we've doubled our protein since then because we, we realized that we needed, we needed a little more bump in protein. So it went from 5 grams to 10 grams um, in 1999. Um, with some of our other products, it's, it'll be like texture or salt level or, um, yeah, um, packaging. So our Blocks package, when it first came out, um, I could tell the story about blocks, but um, yeah. so and I know I know I know the feed sells a lot of blocks. Thank you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we were we we're the first pro- company to come out with a product that's like a chewable gel. Mm-hmm. I guess you could call it. It's one way of saying it. It's, it's essentially the same stuff that's in a gel, but it's in chewable form. Um, it probably metabolizes a slightly bit slower than a gel, but it's basically the same thing. Um, if you look at nutritional labels or uh, facts to each other. Why'd you do that? Why'd you create a gel? Because... I mean, excuse me, a block. Yeah, yeah, a block. Um, so I got um, <laughs> this... Not, this is a little contrived uh, personal story, but, you know, I would forget to take my gel packs out of my jersey, and then i put them in the washing machine, and then the gel would oh, kind of, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. ooze oh, out yeah, of the right. package. Or, or we would get people saying, you know, I don't... Like, we would be pushing our gel at marathons, and, you know, we'd go there and sample, like, nah, no, this stuff's... Ew, I don't want to syrupy you know so there we, we knew there was a kind of a cap to gel although you know some of our competitors are doing pretty well but it seems like it it was stalling like that wasn't growing exponentially like cliff bar grew and we what we were listening to our consumer our consumer is saying it's kind of messy it's kind of weird i don't like sticking my hand in my pocket after i have a gel empty gel package and i'm feeling sticky gooey stuff that came out of so, you know, we were looking at gummy bears. Um, I guess you could say gummy bears was like a, our power bar. It, right. it led us to like, let's do a chewable form. So we were able to, in our kitchen, play with and make a shot into a gel form. Like, in, I mean, into a, a chewable. Um, and then the ironic thing is that thing sat on the shelf for too long, like over a year. And I finally, I just went into the group and I said, guys, we're, we've got to do it. This is t- it's time. If we don't do this, somebody else is going to do this. So I said, we have six months. We're going to put this product on there. And we're, and we're going to call it Blocks. Because the guy who, invent, uh, who designed the original Cliff Package, who came up with the name Luna, Z-Bar, Builders, all that. I said, Doug, what should we call this thing? He goes, well, it's Block. It's a block. It's like a little block. <laughs> He said, but don't spell it like B-O-L-B-L-O-C-K-S. Um, so that, that was an, I said, and I didn't even give, like, you know, you, now we do all this. This is my dog. Oh, yeah. Now we do all this testing with, you know, like names and brands and all that stuff. Back then it was just like, I'm sorry, guys. I don't even want to go through the rigmarole of trying to figure out. It's called Blocks. That's where we're going to do it. Let's get the trademark. Six months later on the market, a year later, we're, we're outselling our shop by five times. Right. And now the, now the term block is right, like Kleenex. The, the, the finished part, so the, the evolution on that was when we first came out with it, it was in a bag. So like a little snack bag. Uh, right. And then you would open up the bag and you have to reach inside, grab the block out. So in your jersey, it was a little, a little hard. You have to pull the bag out or figure out a way. Now's a good time to tell you where we're sitting. In a conference room where the door pull at the entrance is a recycled segment of a bike frame. Those stairs that led to the room were fashioned out of retired bleachers from the Berkeley High School. 
And then there's a tapestry of repurposed blue jeans tucked beneath the ceiling structure elements. From product to place, every corner screams sustainable. And that seemed particularly true of its employees. That in-house gym, emblematic of American excess in many corporate settings, that's Cliff's water cooler. And so far as a corporate headquarters can feel healthy and homey, this was that place, right down to its pet policy. This is one of 100 dogs in the office right now. This is my running dog, Chima. It means top of mountain, like Chima Kopi. Now back to that idea of packaging blocks. And I, I didn't come up with this idea. One of our other engineers came up with this idea of this called the Fast Pack. And it's just a sleeve, right? And now everybody knows that in a block. So you could either... I take... I. I take scissors and I cut off the top before I go on a ride so then I can just squeeze them out. And it's so easy. Just pull the pack out and they just come out of the package really easily um, and then you just put it back and you know do one, two, or three and um, save the rest. So it was not part of your vision that people would start sticking these to the top <laughs> tube of their bike. Steve, this is the first time I've heard this was today. Yeah. You told me that people had sticking blocks in a in a gravel race. In a gravel race. That's I, I was I was one of those More people because I thought that's what everybody did. <laughs> No. It, it, right, yeah. There's I've lots of minerals at the end of that one. you get a picture of that, I'd like to see that. Yeah, oh, well, it's just, yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, but, um, so let, let's, you know, get a little bit more into, you know, some of these other discoveries that you've made mm -hmm. along the way that, you know, have have come from, if not your use from, because you, yeah. you sponsor now, what, a thousand Athletes? Do, do I have that right? Well, we have we have our core mm -hmm. um, high-end professionals, but probably a thousand when you look at all the little sponsorship of amateurs and so on. Just you know, right? Yeah. So Not, you're getting. A, I mean, you have a an enormous focus mm -hmm. group, including right. your own right. gut, which you say you right. rely on frequently. Yeah. What are some of the other discoveries that have been made uh, that have changed the product? Um. Flavor ideas is always the the big the top one. People are throwing flavor ideas at us. Um, people wanted caffeine, which was an evolution that we added. Now we have a new, even Cliff Bar called. We added caffeine to our blocks in our shot, mm -hmm. uh, which didn't start out that way. And then, um, and then we've added more salt, like on our margarita flavor. Uh, people really wanted a, a big hit of salt for cramping. Um, not a bunch, not a bunch of rocket science, like, you know. Uh, pharmaceuticals or anything like right. that, or, yeah. or or functional stuff like anti-inflammatories. Not that we would be opposed to that. Um, and then, um, and then we have this new Cliff Bar, which has 65 milligrams of caffeine. It's uh, called our Coffee Collection. That's brand new as of uh, this. This could be the debut. <laughs> it's right. hitting the market really soon. Uh -huh. And we have three coffee flavors and. Um, they're delicious, and they all have like one shot of kind of like the idea is sixty-five gram uh, milligrams is like one shot of espresso, and it's a Colombian har uh, organic Colombian beans from uh, harvest. What's it called? Drew? Sustainable. sustainable harvest. Um, so it's all sustainably grown, um, and we actually have caught real coffee beans in the product. And so that, that, the the genesis of that of that product. Uh, where does that come from? Um, you know, caffeine is a, is a big one in, in sports nutrition. Um, God, it goes way back with <laughs> rate, uh, bike racing in the 70s. You know, people mm -hmm. were like, I've heard reports of bike racers doing 
dozens of shots of, of caffeine, of espressos, you know, to get through a race and so on. So it, it is, I, I don't think anybody would dispute that caffeine is a, is a major uh, performance enhancer for, that's legal. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so we have it in a lot of our products. And that didn't, that didn't start out, um, you know, in the first probably 15 years of Cliff Bar. But we're not, we're not right now, we're pursuing more whole ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, we hear from our athletes that what they want is taste, of course, but um, they're looking for whole foods to get their performance and, and to be able to sustain eating because they eat enormous amounts of calories yeah. during the day. Right. And if it, tastes, if it doesn't taste good, it doesn't matter how much, what the performance of that bitter pill is. It's just after a while, they're just done. Right. You know, you've seen it on the motorcycle when you're in the tour. Yeah. No, I, I think that, and that's, that's what I'm curious about is that there are these products now that are, that are coming out absolutely optimized. Mm-hmm. And I'll repeat the story mm-hmm. that I've already told you, but mm-hmm. there's, there are teams out there that are using ultrasound to find out what the glycogen levels are in the bloodstream so that they can properly dose the athlete to make sure everything is topped off to ideal. Mm-hmm. And then they're dosed, you know, with their muse, you know, not only breakfast, but you yeah. use that, what they're eating through the day. But even when their livelihood mm-hmm. is, you know, to a degree on the line, mm-hmm. how well do they perform that day? Mm-hmm. There still seems to be a human limit to, I can't eat another one of those. I am, I'm still going to trade out mm-hmm. on the road or, I just can't stomach it, right. and it, which actually has a real effect, yeah. right? When you have a visceral reaction to something, and I, I see this, yeah. that I can't stomach it, that in and of itself is an actual problem. It's not a psychological problem. Yeah, I think fueling the body um, is is interesting. I mean, for I'll call it for humanoids. You know, we 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 have developed, we've evolved to want things to taste good and to to and the texture and all that and. So if you deprive somebody of that, they're, it's going to affect their performance. That's another way of looking. Maybe it's 5% better to have these experiments. <laughs> or mm-hmm. these, uh, but, but, if, but if you can actually um, uh, consume something that actually tastes good and you feel good about it, you know, I think that is you're, you're just going to step it up. You're going to perform. You're going to perform better. It's, I mean, how much of a sport is in your heart and your head versus in your stomach. Yes, of course it is in your stomach, but so much of it is like, are you ready? Do you feel on? Do you feel like you want to perform and, or win? Um, and I think we, we provide all of that. I don't, I don't doubt at all because after 30 years, these athletes are still coming to us for our product. You may have heard of the condition called palate fatigue, or if you haven't heard of it, You've experienced it. No matter what your level of hunger or depletion, you cannot clear the hurdle of one more gel, bar, flavor, texture getting past your lips. You can't swallow it. Maybe you gag or you just can't bring yourself to even attempt another bite. Variety isn't just the spice of life. It's the reason why Cliff continues to broaden its flavor palette offerings. And frankly, it's the primary reason why the feed exists, to offer endless variety for even the most picky of palettes. You have been living in the world of fringe outdoor sports. Mm -hmm. But now you've garnered the interest of more 
mainstream sports. I think of Megan Rapinoe mm-hmm. in soccer, Serena Williams. Or Venus Williams. Yeah. Excuse me, Vena, mm-hmm. uh, Venus Williams. I'm sure Serena gives them to Venus. I mean, right. Venus gives them to Serena. Has that, is that, is that, has that been okay in the contract? Well, we'll see. Okay. <laughs> but As long as we don't talk about it. Right, okay. <laughs> the, the, um, and, and so how did those relationships begin? And where are they headed? Uh, it's, you know, we've been playing with the idea. I think, you know, we, you asked this question earlier, and I think what was hard about getting into mainstream sports is just the cost. Mm-hmm. Like these athletes are, I mean, we're talking about like, like if you say NBA athlete or yeah. uh, any of those traditional sports, the number goes up exponentially. But when we approached, when we approached these athletes, we realized they have already got a lot of sponsors and they love Cliff Bar. And when we first met Venus Williams, this is before we sponsored her, we met her uh, around the World Cup. We were doing an equal pay thing with mm-hmm. uh, the U.S. women's soccer team. That's how we got into the soccer right. Um I, By the, the way, we, for the edification of the audience, yes. right? Why don't you explain yeah, we'll exactly so, so, that uh, you know, Luna Bar has, rep, has been... Um, has been a, a champion of, of, of women's rights and, and, and equal pay has been our, our, our big um, push over the last several years. And because the World Cup was coming up, we, we looked into, like, what's the inequality? We knew there was an inequality, and mm-hmm. we looked into it, and we found out this one little catch of the team roster, roster bonus. Yeah. So when the women make the World Cup, and if they make the team, they get a roster bonus, and the men do too when they make the World Cup. The women's was $31,250 less than the men. It's like, what the heck? Right. And we're not talking big numbers. Am I right? It's like the women were getting 15. They were getting, no, they were getting like, uh, no, they were getting 30. So the men were getting 68 total. Women were getting like 30, whatever the difference is, right? So we decided that um, maybe we should close that gap. So we made this commitment. We talked to the, the Becca, who's the, the team, the um, U.S. Women's um, di- Director of the, of the Women's... Uh, no, she's not... Players Association. Players Association. Yeah. She represents them in the Players Association. We talked to her about it. She goes, yeah, that'd be cool. Okay, well, don't tell them. We want to do this. We want to make this a surprise. So we flew out to Tampa during their training, when they were training before the World Cup. We got them all in the room. They're like, oh, great, Cliff Bar's here. What are they going to do, sponsor us and not give us anything? And it ended up being, no, we're there representing Luna. And as a gift, we're going to give you all $31,250 to make up the difference between that. And they all knew about this roster bonus. I mean, it was like bugging them. Like, right? like we're making the difference up. And then that's it. We don't want anything for it. Nothing. We're just going to do this as a gift from Luna. They went crazy. Um. It was awesome. So then we got to know Megan Rapino and Alex Morgan and a bunch of other and and Chris, um, Kristen Press and and um, they're all like, we love you guys. I mean, we've eaten your product. Not only have we eaten your product, now we really love you guys. So that just started the ball rolling. Like, yeah. okay, let's see if we can get in this game. And uh, we signed on Megan and Alex and Kristen and before the World Cup and. Um, and then ended up, we went to the World Cup and um, in Paris, and we put together this little symposium where we had Venus Williams there and Julie Foudy from the 1999 
team. My favorite, my favorite sports team of all time. Right. Awesome. Um, and Venus, so we meet Venus in the, in the green room before the, the, before the panel discussion. And she just names off four lunar, without any like prompting or thing. We're like, hey, there's the owners of Cliff Bar and Luna Bar. And she goes, she starts naming off lemon zest, nuts over chocolate, s'mores. She's like, all her favorite Luna Bars are like, you know about them? She goes, are you kidding me? I eat them all the time. Two months later, we signed her on. <laughs> um, so that got us into that game of, of traditional, kind of more traditional sports. That, and, and we need to be there. It's, it's time. It's also a time where as much as athletes want top fuel, more and more they want whole foods, real food. This would be a great place to, to bring up the epiphany ride. And I, um, there's one thing that I certainly feel as I'm, I'm, I'm an outdoor guy. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly the, the people that I'm around and the world that I live in, it's whole foods it's plant-based. It's sure. anything that, in fact, if it's in a wrapper, it's it's not a whole food. <laughs> and so, are you feeling a headwind mm-hmm. in that regard? And now, and then take me into that that epiphany ride because, based on how you did that ride, you were treating your bars like whole food for a week. Oh. That part of the epiphany ride. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how many epiphany rides you've you've had. Well, but so that was my no, understanding of the so I called ride. I call that. I didn't call it the epiphany ride. So in 1990, I'm on this bike ride that I told you about with my friend Jay, right? Yeah. 175 mile, and it was 10 years later, right after we bought out our partner, and I thought the company needs some kind of celebration. I thought, well, what better than like the moment it all started? Yeah. And I I didn't. Yeah, I thought about that moment. It was in, on the package, but how can we, as a company, celebrate that moment? The, the three seconds that changed everything for for me and, and the business, and it was to like let's let's kind of just let's go ride the course. Let's go ride the 175 miles. And I got like two people. You know, I Kenny Souza. I don't know if you know him. He's a, he's our he's our um, he's been with us for 20 years, also 20 something years. Um, he's a world champion duathlete and. So I got him and like three other people from Cliff Bar. And then I had a couple, you could join us at, you know, 100 miles to go and 25 miles to go. We had the U.S. Postal Team, half of the U.S. Postal Team that was in town joined us that time, at that time. So this is 2000. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but the week, I, but the idea of the epiphany was like, I tried to eat six bars in one day and I couldn't do it. I couldn't stomach it. So, originally, this is back originally, in, this in, is like so. The original epiphany ride in, in 1990, I took six power bars and I I got through five and I couldn't eat the last one. And that's when I came up with the idea, right? Um, the the you know the three seconds <laughs> changed my life. Um, and um, by the way, I went down to the Seven Eleven, as the story goes, and had some powdered donuts. I needed something that tasted right. good, and yeah. they, they really did taste good. But that's not. I couldn't survive 175 miles on bunch of powdered donuts um so i wanted to kind of prove to myself just for fun like well what if i just spent a week eating just cliff bars and then a time luna bars and shot but you know mostly cliff bars and i did it i it was really hard <laughs> i mean it's hard when you're like you go to the family dinner and they're having they happen to have turkey and gravy and mashed potatoes and stuff and i'm sitting there cutting up a cliff bar on a plate and eating cliff bars <laughs> Um, but I said, I'm going to do it. I'm committed to this. And I did it for a week. I lost five pounds. 
Um, and I beat Kenny Souza up Mount Hamilton, who who was like, you know, ex-world championship duathlete. And so the point was, though, I didn't get totally sick of Cliff Bars in a week of living on the product for a week. So it's, it's true. I don't know people that... Um, I don't know many people that have come to me and said, you know what, I, I'm just sick of your bar. No, yeah. they, and we have such a variety now too. Right. But it, then again, you, you know, uh, back to original question is, do you feel any sort of headwind resistance to bars, period, because bars, period? of this whole food movement? Oh. And are you not, you know, are you not what you appear to be inside a package? And Well, we are what we appear to be, but, mm. um, you know, People are busy. <laughs> People want convenience and portability. And, you know, no matter how much they say they want to eat just whole foods, pe- most people really do. And, and once they discover what's inside, then they're cool with it. I mean, we are so, we are beyond committed to organic. And yes, we're not 100%, but we have a army of people that are, are sourcing our organic ingredients. And it's not easy. And it does cost more. But we're so committed to that being what we believe is best for the planet, for people, uh, for clean water, for, for soil, um, uh, for um, just people's health. And, um, I mean, <laughs> we could probably sell just as many bars not being organic because other companies are not organic, but they sell a lot of bars. But... We would do it either way. That, that's as big as you are and as many people counting on you now. And how hard is that to do? How hard is that to do? Yeah, it gets harder and harder because there's less, you know, when we're helping farms convert, it's, mm-hmm. we're, you know, there's only so much supply of organic in the, in, in the world. Um, you know, we have, a, we have a business model that people count on when they come to cliff bar and that's that we're not just about the bottom line the one bottom line so um sustainability and organic and community and and sustaining our people and all that is part of why people come here um it's part of our dna and i'm counting on it that's going to continue to make us keep us in the game and keep us successful um it's a different business model, and people are talking about it more now. But you know, as people are talking about looking at the, you know, um, all the stakeholders, as people have been talking about it in the news lately, and companies signing up to be, you know, for more than just one bottom line. But we've been doing it for you know almost thirty years now, and it's we're kind of the post, we're a little bit of the poster child for it because um, it works.